Welcome to our Panini. This is Saratoga Beth. We are learning Quintus Quorum Cotton. Um, I'll give an overview of Quintus Quorum Cotton. Um, it's, it's a lot of amazingly fun topics. So, um, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you a basic overview of it. Um, imagine that there's a, there's a, there, uh, there's a need for Messiris Nefesh. And this need for Messiris Nefesh would be in the year 1927, Tafresh Pei Zion. And, um, and that's because we're about to face, they were about to face Stalinist times. So, um, the Rebbe Rayat came along and said this, said the Mimer, the Kibbalah Yehudim. And essentially, the way I understand it, he pulled from the Kaichas of a previous time in history, which is the story of Forum the time of Forum, which was a unique moment in history. And he pulled that Kayach into Tafresh Pezai in 1927. Now, what's the Kayach? Purim was a moment in history that never was before and until the, and since then never was again, which was that we knew what the sentence was going to be at the end of the year. We've had times in Jewish history where some people had Messiris Nefesh for a long time. Or every, but but not everybody. Or there were times in history when everybody had mysterious nefesh, whatever that was. I'm just imagining, or just imagine theoretically. Sometimes a lot of people can be willing, really, to give their lives al kiddush Hashem. Um, if it's everybody, then it'll be for a really short time. Or if it's for a long time, it might be a select group. But the idea that there is a nation, there's a people in the world that would be willing to give their lives al Kiddush Hashem rather than just um, uh, give away their connection with Hashem, Kastashom, and they would maintain that level of commitment for an entire year. It was only one time in history. It's, it's something that's superhuman, doesn't exist in the world. No people ever showed it. Probably no other people ever will show it. It really is a unique type of energy that belongs to a, a Yid, and we ourselves only experienced it once. There were moments when people gave their, they said, Shema Yisrael, a, a, you know, Mr. Schwartz or whatever, you know, Ruvain in the year 12, 1200 was ready to give his life al Kiddush Hashem. You know, the time of the Rambam, when they were running away from the Amahad, people gave their lives al Kiddush Hashem. It was a one-moment experience. And so th that's what they were ready to do. But it, and they left the world. They didn't stick around to see so what's it like after you went to that level. Of course, they tuned into the Yechidah Shabbat or higher, the Esmanefesh. But everybody experiencing that and being willing, willing to do that is completely unheard of. And that's what happened in the story of Purim. And there was a choice at the time of Purim. You could be an Ivri or Yehudi. And Ivri was somebody who Haman said, they're okay, I'll let them stay. They were more compromised. A Yehudi was somebody, A Yehudi, a Yehudi was somebody who would not bow down no matter what, even if it cost him his life. Most people were actually Ivrim. They weren't uh, so with the program at that point. Did I start the recording? One sec, let's just see. 
Okay, yes, I started the recording. So many Yidden were quite enamored by the world out there, you know, the the non-Jewish world. So it's not like people were deeply committed in Shushan at that time, at the time of Forum. They weren't. So you would think that just would say, you know, come on, just got to live. You got to do what you got to do to live, which is the way most people in the world see things. What happened when Haman said, this Gezerah, this decree of everybody being massacred a year from now, only applies to Yehudim. Any Jew who calls himself an Avery, who's willing to bow down a little bit, he's he's off the hook. He'll be fine. You would think most people would switch over to becoming Ephraim. And yet anybody was in actually switched over to becoming Yehudi. And it says, They didn't have one single foreign thought like, Maybe we should reconsider. You know, you got to live. You got to do what you have to, you know, don't be so fresh. Do what you have to do to live. Nobody did that for an entire year. Not one man, not one one woman, not not one child. So that's a time in our history that we reached a level in ourselves that we will need that time and time again. So it looks like the Rebareyas tapped into that energy. In, on, on the day of Purim Katsun, Safrej Kezai in 1927, before he himself was imprisoned, at the height of the Bolshevik regime, you know, Stalinist times, etc. Um, hmm? The Reverie, yes. yes. So, it looks like he tuned into that, pulled the Kaya from the time of, of the Purim story and brought it to into the time of Tafrei Pesai in 1927. And really infused in the, the people there, and Hasidim for sure, the determination to be absolutely ready to die al-Kiddush Hashem for the purpose of disseminating Yiddishkeit. And, and, and it worked. And he did infuse us with that. Now, and how? By saying the Mimer Vikibal Hayyuhudim on Purim Khatan. Then let's fast the year nineteen eighty one, Tafresh Mem Aleph. The Rebbe says a Mimer called the Atatitsava, the Rebbe of the seventh generation, says the and it it's um bringing into it the Mimer Vikibal Yehudim of the Rebrayat clearly pulling the Kayach that was infused in us in 1927, which was the Kayach from the time of Purim, and bringing it into the year Tafshin Tuff- 1981. Now, what's going on then? There's no war. But now we're being charged with the task to live Kiddush Hashem rather than be ready to die Kiddush Hashem, which is in some ways much more difficult. And then in Tafshin and Base in 1992, the Rebbe had this binder printed, and handed to each one of us in our hands, and inserted that mimer and those kaifas into us. So that's really the history of this mimer atetitzava that we're learning. So um, there are a lot of questions here that I'm just going to gloss over them. Based on the pasuk, the atetitzava is b'nei Yisraeli chuelech Hashem and zayis dachkasas lamar laalus ner tamid. By the way, this year the haman of our generation. Uh, Justin Trudeau, um, he already started to hang himself on his own gallows. 
Um, he froze the money. Anybody who was striking truckers, and it's perfectly legal in North America to strike. That's part of the democratic North American system. You know, you go on strike from time to time. Um, everybody knows what happened with the truckers' convoy. Very peaceful, very beautiful strike, essentially. And um, he, he, he showed his true colors. He said, okay. Anybody who even supported them or even beat their horn and said, great, you're doing a great job, you guys, uh, he froze their bank accounts. That's uh, quite intense. So we understand he was, he had already, and now, what he forgot to do is somebody should have, his, his advisors should have said, Mr. Trudeau, before you make, before you do these heavy-handed uh, totalitarian things, uh, buy yourself a Jewish calendar. Because uh, you don't want to pick – that was Haman's mistake. You're the Haman of the generation. You're one of many Hummans of the generation. And um, the Haman of – the original Haman, what he he made – he didn't really buy himself a Jewish calendar. That was his mistake. Because when he was looking for a day to destroy the Jewish people, God forbid, he said, oh, yay, the month of Adar, the seventh of Adar is the day that Maishu Benu passed away. I guess he didn't have the calendar to say the seventh of other was the day that Maishu Rabbeinu was born. On that day, our mazel is very powerful. So he didn't know that. Haman. So he, he planned, he planned things for the wrong day. Same thing with the modern day Haman, or one of the modern day Hamans. Don't freeze the bank accounts of peaceful Canadians who are doing legal things on Purim Katan because you're basically you're sort of you're sort of building a gallows. You're building a gallows, sort of. But you you hey you know that your forefather Haman he ended up hanging on the gallows that he built for you know for Mordechai, the one who was standing up for truth. So Mr. Trudeau, you just built your own gallows. If you had done it some other day, maybe not. But there are plenty of places to go in Ottawa to buy a Jewish calendar. You could have bought it online. And if you had not picked Purim Cotton, you know, you might still have some ability to succeed, but you have now hung yourself on your own gallows. So, this is, so now I'll have one more comment before we go into this timer. And that is, and don't get scared by the political implications. Let's say, so to speak, there seem to be three to what's going on in the world today. Right now we're in the midst of what seems to be a war of Russia to Ukraine, etc., seems to be. And I would say there are three things going on. On the surface, there's what CNN says, which, you know, <laughs> obviously that that one that one's a total facade. You know, that one's like any connection between truth and what they're saying is purely coincidental. You know, so I mean that one's created as a up as a cover-up for what's really going on. So there's that ridiculous uh, false narrative that, that the media is telling us, which that one's just a joke. And then above that is, you know, the big bad guys who are trying to run the show, the big bad Hummans. Hummin and his, his fellow Hummans or, you know, Hummin and his ilk trying to take over the world with their Hummin-like plan because of the the task of Mashiach is to destroy a Malik, and so a Malik will try to, uh, you know, prevent uh, Mashiach from doing that, obviously. So that's what's really going on. 
So who's running the – is it really, you know, the governments that are running the world? No, 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 no. Come on. So, oh, it's the big bad Hummans or the one Humman, whoever it is, or a Mullig who's trying to run the world. Yes. And yet there's a third layer. Um, and that's where when you watch the alternate news sites and they say, you think what they tell you is what's really going on. Come on. What's really going on is, you know, the big bad guys trying to – with these evil plans. But there's a bigger picture, and beyond that is the real picture. Mashiach is running every single thing that's going on now. Some of them are understandable to us, and some of them are not, because he has, Baruch Hashem, Mashiach has a mind, Hashem has endowed Mashiach with a mind that's so complex and so brilliant that he can, you know, he's a chess player. He can think so many steps ahead and plan things in such an incredibly brilliant way that we will not, we will look at it and say, oh my goodness, it's all falling apart. But that's just because he thinks many, many, many steps ahead. And I'll just give you um, one hayra on that. It says that when, when, when Mordechai came to the Jewish people and said, you have to fast, it's very serious. Don't go to the party. They said, what are you talking about? We're, we're invited to the party. We waited all these years. Life is good. Let's enjoy. Don't be so frustrated. Why do you have to give us such a depressing news now? We have to live in fear. Everything's good. He likes us. Achashverosh wants us at his party. Life is good. Let's eat, drink, and be merry. And Mordechai said, I'm telling you, it's a different reality than the way it's presenting itself to you. Don't believe, hey, you the left. Don't believe CNN. CNN is telling you everything's good. It ain't. What if I was saying, don't believe CNN right now because they're telling you a false narrative. But then later on, when when the Gezerah, when the decree came on, guess what happened? Um, the Yidden said, this is terrifying. They, What should we do? Where should we go? People were in a total panic. They said, a year from now, everybody will be wiped out. And that's what CNN said. Jews will all be gone in a year, according to CNN. So what? At the same time, the Yidden are wearing sackcloth and ash. They're, you know, they're terrified. And they see Mordecai riding around on a horse in royal robes, celebrating Sassan de Simcha. What's going on? What's going on? Doesn't he know it's dangerous times that we should be afraid? So what was going on? CNN told us it's dangerous. So what was going on is that the Nasi Hadar, the Meisher of the generation, is always, whatever it is, a hundred steps ahead. I don't know the number. Many, many steps ahead of everybody else. So everybody else is still, you know, confused, is still hypnotized by the false narrative that's being presented by the media. And Mordechai, and, and Meisher of the generation, in this case Mordechai, knows the real story, the real, real, real story behind everything. Because Hashem tells them. So when it's bad and when it's good, when we should be afraid and when we shouldn't be afraid. So that's probably the point we're at now, too. We have nothing to be afraid of. The CNN story is, oh, it's really scary. Oh, war and pray for them, the children and, you know, and all this other stuff. Um, we have to do what we have to do. But there's probably actually, they aren't coming together. <laughs> right? And we have to know that the Nathia Dark sees the, the truth. So when we learn after the Tetzave, it gives us a sense of, it gives us some visibility into the truth that the Nasi Adar sees. Okay. So it's based on the Tetzave, B'nai Yisrael, V'yichu, Elech Hashem, and Zayis, Avkas, Lamar, Lahalus, Neretamis. 
essentially, I'm not going to go, I'll just say all the questions quickly. It's saying, you should command, Hashem is saying, Maishrebenu, command the Bnei Yisrael that they should bring pure olive oil, crushed for the luminary, to you, to create a Ner Tamid. And so, we know one thing. All of the, we're starting at the beginning, but I'm going to do this part quickly. All of the commands in Tyra are, are said in a different way. Why does it say the Atas is It's not said anywhere else. And you command. Is it this, is this only about a command? We don't find command so interesting. And then, um, um, it, it's odd because why are we bringing olive oil? Maishra Benu is saying, tell them to bring you olive oil to light the Menaira. Wait a minute. Who lights the Menaira? Aaron lights the Menaira. Why should we bring olive oil to Maishra Benu? He's not the one who lights the Menaira. Um, and then also, why does the oil for the Menaira have to be crushed? You know, crushed white. I mean, olive oil is crushed olives. Like, hello? Olive oil is crushed olives. So what is this? Why do we have to know that? I mean, that's obvious. Oh, but it's crushed for the luminary. Why do we have to know that? It shouldn't say crushed so that it can produce oil that, sh- that lights, that shines. So it says for the luminary. That something's wrong. And one other question. Um, um, Afterwards, it says, you know, that the menorah should light from morning to night. Why does it say near tumbit? This is in its, why, this, somehow, this whole thing is going to create an eternal light. Okay. So, um, as we said, everything we've just said, this mimer is based on a mimer that was said in Tafresh Kezayim by the Rebbe Rayat. What is this word Vata Tisava? It's about a command. When we get a command, when we get a mitzvah from Hashem, it's not just do this. Hashem is not about do this and there's not do this, that's all that's going on. When he says do this, he's infusing us. A tzibwe, a command, is infusing us with everything we need to be able to do it. With Hashem, it's a two-way street. It's a tzav to the tzibwe. He's saying do this. And what do I get if I do this? You become connected to me. Pretty good. So, who who is the one that is connecting us to Hashem? Maisha Rabbeinu. The Atatitzava, and you connect as B'nai Yisrael. The Atatitzava, not your commanding, but you connect the B'nai Yisrael to me. Why can't I connect myself? I can, but there's a unique kind of, I guess, much deeper, much higher connection that I can have with Hashem, when Maisha Rabbeinu is in the picture. He's connecting me with Arin Saif. Now, by the way, Arin Saif is an unlimited light. Today in the world, we talk about, um, you know, going out of your limitations. It's very trendy, right? But how do you go out of your limitations? Well, if you're connected with the unlimited light of Hashem, then you can do unlimited things. Like, I could be poor today, I can be rich tomorrow, or etc. And when Maisha Rabbeinu, we're in base now, when Maisha Rabbeinu, I space, um, is Mashpia to us, connects us with our insights, what happens to him? 
Is that hard for him? He's busy. What is my hi, who's this? My Shurbanu. Ah, what does my Shurbanu do all day? Connects you to God. Oh yeah? Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Any aspect of God or insight? The infinite his infinite aspect, his infinite life. Obviously Hashem has parts of himself in which he chooses to be finite and then chooses to be infinite. The infinite part that Hashem chooses in himself, that's the part that Maish Rabbeinu connects us to. Does he benefit? He does. It lifts him. When he connects us, it lifts him up. By the way, parenthetically, we see when we go on this time, when we connect other Yidin to Hashem, you see that you come out a different person? It lifts you up? So, um, and the fact is that Maisha and Yisrael, Maisha Benu and us, are like the head and the foot. That just like, you know, the head of an army, he needs foot soldiers. We are the feet of Maisha Benu, and he's our head. Did you ever see a head walk? No. A head has to be attached to a foot and to feet to walk. A head thinks very well, but it doesn't walk. Right? Let's say somebody gave birth to, oh, wow, the baby has a very big head. Oh, well, then he'll be able to walk very far. Uh, what? <laughs> a head doesn't walk. A head can command to walk. So Maishar Benu needs us to go from one, we, we're the foot soldiers, um, to get somewhere. We're needed. So in order for Maishar Benu to go up, to move forward to the next level, he needs us. And that's why it says 600,000 foot soldiers, etc. I'm among them. Um, when Maishar Benu connects us with our insights, then he has an elevation. That's called, remember we had the question, why do we have to bring olive oil, Shemin Zayasak to Maishar Benu? It means when he connects us with Hashem, with Orion Zeiss, we bring an elevation to him. Shem and Zayasach. We bring more light to measure being. If sometimes you feel like, what can I do in the world? I'm a very ineffective person. I, uh, not true. Measure being gives you a command from Hashem. You, you connect to that. You end up bringing measure Benu more light. So, who is Maishar Benu that he gets involved in this connection, that he's part of this? And again, it's not a separate thing. That's the whole thing about Maishar Benu. So to speak, a substanceless leader. In other words, a leader that has no visibility because there's no him. Just, not just invisible, but... He's one with Hashem, and he's one with you. Who is he really? There's no him. He's one with, he, it's like a corner. The Nidler Rebbe talks about a corner. A, what is a corner? Is it like the right, the right wall or the left wall? Is it the left wall or the, is it, you know, the, the north wall or the east wall? It's both. So how much space does the corner take up? None. Whichever way you look at it, you can call it this wall or that wall. It doesn't really exist. It's simply a connecting energy. There is no such thing as a corner. You can't measure a corner. 
is just part of either wall. It's a non-existent connecting energy. Maishurbenu is, so to speak, a non-existent connecting energy. And he is showing us that that's what we're here to become too. Non-existent connecting energies. Now, would you like to be non-existent? Mm, not really. But the paradox of being a yid is the more you become non-existent, the more powerful you become. In other words, instead of staying our smart, small selves who, who have substance, we become absorbed into Hashem's oneness and we have all of the qualities, we start to have all of those qualities and that power of Hashem. So we don't become smaller, we don't shrink, we expand when we become, so to speak, substanceless through the, the spark of Maishurbenu in us. So, but, okay, let's look at this. What does it mean, we're in Gimel now, that Maishurbenu is the Raya Nehemna. He's the faithful leader. The Raya Neman of the, the faithful shepherd of the Jewish people, what does a faithful shepherd do? He feeds us with a muna. He, he nurtures us with a muna. Everybody wants to be nurtured. He nurtures us with a muna. What does that mean? He feeds us a muna that we don't have? No, no, no. The muna that we have we already were born with it. We are maminim b'nei maminim. I don't need somebody to feed me amuna. It's kind of like, um, guess what I'm going to bring for you tonight? A pizza. Like, oh, do me a favor. I own a pizza shop. <laughs> I don't need your pizza. I own a pizza shop. I have as much pizza as I need. So how do I have? I was born. I'm maminim b'nei maminim. We're maminim. I was born with a Muna. I don't need uh, somebody to feed me a Muna. Right? I've got, a, I've got all the Muna in the world. I was born with it. You know who I am? I'm a Yid. We're Maminim B'nai Maminim. So why do I need my Shrebani to feed me it? Bring me something I don't have. I have that. The problem, the challenge is that sometimes the Muna that I have that I was born with, more than sometimes, can be Makistic feel very external, very up there, outside of my reach. I need somebody to, or else it's deep within me. If it's deep within me and I can't really use it, I need somebody to pull it out to the surface. Or if it's way up there and I know about it but I can't really use it, I need somebody to pull it down into my life. Either way, I need it made user-friendly in me. It's nice that you own a, you know, I'm bringing you pizza tonight. But I own a pizza shop. It's been closed two years for COVID. It doesn't help that you own a pizza shop. <laughs> they haven't made pizza. You know what I'm saying? All the pizzas fro is just sitting in the freezer over there, and it's been sitting years, and you can't get to it. So what does it help you that you own a pizza shop? I'm bringing you fresh, real cooked, hot, tasty pizza, you know, ready to eat. Lahabdo, Maishur Benu brings, we have a Muna, but it's, you know, been, uh, you know, quarantined. It's under quarantine because of uh, 5,782 years of uh, COVID quarantine, right? 
is just a little locked in there, you know. I know about it. I read about it. But um, let's just say this. You know, if I'm caught in traffic and I feel like, oh, no, what's going to be? I'm going to be late. It's so scary. What, right? Oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? We're going to miss the flight. Blah, 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 blah. Right? So I have a Muna somewhere deep inside of the recesses of my, you know, pre-COVID mind that's the soul that says, it's going to be perfect. Hashem is running the world. You're not going to miss anything. If you're not on that flight, you weren't ever supposed to be on that flight, etc., etc. My soul knows that, but I forget while I'm in a panic. Like, oh, no, what's it going to be? I'm going to miss the flight. And then uh, we have a business deal. We have a business appointment. You understand this is the biggest deal of our life. Well, how are we going to pay the rent? Uh, 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 all that stuff. So the Amuna is packed in there somewhere, but I can't. I can't get to it when I need it most of the time. The time that I need a moon most is when I get panicky, right? Or when I, I feel stressed out or when things start to feel like they're falling apart. That's when I need it. That's the hardest time to access it. I can never figure out, I can never remember which suitcase I had it packed in. Now, where's that Amuna? Uh, you know, and then and people are like, where's your Amuna? I don't know. Look in the suitcase. I think it's in the trunk. I don't know. Uh, maybe I left it at home. Oh, my goodness. Did you leave it on the bed? No, no. Okay. Where is it? Uh, maybe. That's like the lady. <laughs> I don't want to say her name. But somebody came came to her door and said, um, could you, I know you're flying to Israel. Could you bring this shaitel for my uh, my sister-in-law? You know, she asked her. And she said, sure. Yeah, no problem. Um, and it was in a brown paper bag. I guess they whatever, didn't want it to be noticed by the customs owner, it was in a brown paper bag. When she was about to get in the taxi and she really didn't have extra time, she suddenly remembered, wait, the shakel. And it became quite scary. Because she promised them and, and, and she couldn't find the shakel. So everybody's running around the house like crazy people. Where'd you put it? Where'd you put it? Where is it? Where is it? Where's the, where's the shakel? We need it now. Where's the shakel? Well, guess where it was. Okay. In the refrigerator. <gasps> it was a brown paper bag, right? Yeah. So she must have put it on the kitchen table and then saw a brown paper bag. So thought, oh, probably somebody bought yogurt or something, put it in the fridge. Right? A mazel that they found it. So when you need a muna, usually it's a tough time, it's a very panicky time or something. That's the hardest time to find it. Enter Maishra Benu. Maishra Benu pulls it out, and brings it to us ready when you need it at the right time, the right place. It's called that the Amuna needs to be the Pneumius. And that's why um, the idea, it needs to be nurtured. It needs to be brought to the surface, and it needs to be eternalized so that it, 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 it's useful in real-life situations, like, where's that shaker? Oh, no, what do we do? I looked everywhere. I looked in, in every suitcase. Where would I? Who would ever think to find it in the refrigerator? Who would ever look in that paper bag? Now, that's an example. Guaranteed, nobody in that family is that smart. Regular people, they're not that smart. Who put the idea in their head? Look in the paper bag in the refrigerator. Must have been nicer than you. Right? 
He just dropped the thought into somebody's head and said, um, look in the bags. Well, that, who would, I want, my brother once told me, he said, when you're, when you, when you you need something desperately and you can't find it, look in the least likely place. It's a very interesting tool. Look in the least likely place. And then, right, so they would have been, okay, where would it not be? In the refrigerator. Good, look there. So, um, so Maishra Benu, Maishra Zanu Mepharnas is Ramuna, who Shemam Shechot said the Pninus. What does it mean he nurtures it? He makes it user-friendly. He makes it Pninistic. And then the Mimer says, meaning the Rebaryas's Mimer says, if Maishra Benu is the Raya Mehemda, Raya Mehemda, what does that mean? It means not just the Maishrabenu, but the Maishrabenu of every single generation. Because that's what the Maishra of every generation does in his generation. He is Mechazet, he strengthens the Amuna in every single year to make it Pneumistic, user-friendly. Like Mordechai. He was the Maishra of his generation. As it says, Mordechai in his generation, like, like Maishra in his generation. Now, what was happening? We said before, the Gezerah of Haman in Mordechai's generation, to learn Tyra, you had to have total Messiris Nefesh. And what did he do? He got to learning Tyra. Now, who would, right, who would take that on? Do you understand? It meant anybody was caught learning Tyra off with their head. So what did he do? He told them to learn Tyra. Oh, okay. Um, he must, must know something that we don't know. Huh. He's going to take care of us. He's going to take care of us. So he brought together groups to learn the Rabin, um, and to stand strong and leave it at her in mitzvahs. And, um, and not only that, okay, but there's an element of, it, it's not simple. I mean, you have to be quite in good shape spiritually to say, oh, here come the soldiers with their spears. They told us they would use them if we're learning Tyra. They see us learning. Sure, it'll be fine. Nothing to worry about. Who would do that? Right? Either, you know, you've lost your mind. Maybe you took the jab or, or, or something, you know, but who would like, yeah, I'm sure it's going to be fine. Nobody does that. There is some level of, of fear there. But that was what was demanded. Now, that's a little bit of the meaning of Kostis Lamar, crushed for the luminary. It is pretty crushing. Like, uh-oh, we've been there before. Here we are. The Egyptians are pursuing us from behind. We just left Mithraim. The sea is in front of us. Well, we can't go there. We can't go forward. The Egyptian army is behind us. We can't go backwards. There's nowhere to go. Oh, la-di-da. I'm sure Maishar Dana will just take care of it. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. You think anybody said that? No. Absolutely not. So, so it becomes very, very, very scary. And you become crushed. Emotionally Spiritually, whatever, crushed. You're just like, oh, right? Oh, my goodness. This is, right, this is really, really scary. What happens through that crushing? It means you either think, you either tune into a level of, 
oh, watch this. Maishu Rabbeinu is going to take care of us. Does that make sense? No. But that, what are you crushing? You're crushing your addiction to the laws of nature. When you see the Egyptians behind you and the sea in front of you and there's no place to go and you trust the laws of nature, you're done. It's terrifying. Terrifying. When you say, what part of disconnect yourself from relying on the laws of nature did you not understand? Right? And who said we should rely on the laws of nature? I'll tell a funny, a cute story. My husband was his car service once. It's, it's a long story, whatever. Took somebody gave a, a buffer a, a ride at Mammoth in the middle of the night. And he said, look, I, 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 I can't drive so late at night. And the buffer said, no, please. Yeah. He decided, okay, I'm going to do, do it. And then he said, the buffer said, how much will it be? He said, I would either have to charge you $1,000 or nothing. <laughs> like, it's not I can't, you know, and he decided, whatever. So in the car, he's speaking to, Buffer speaking and says, you know, when I need something, I tell Hashem I need it and I get it. So my husband asked, and how does that work? How does that work out for you? He said, and where am I sitting now? (laughs) Meaning I'm in your car and you're driving me there, right? Right? So, and and so, and where did the relying on the laws of nature get you? Uh, The sea is in front of us. The Egyptians are behind us. Hmm. It looks like the laws of nature are about to sell me downstream. They aren't my best friend anymore. Right? Uh, I can't say, uh, you know, you know how people like, you know, the missionaries are like, I'm good, I have money, I have fame, I have this, I have that, I have social con, I have everything. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. You know in the world, I'm good. Oh, yeah? within the laws of nature. Wait till the laws of nature decide to dump you. Like you're standing with the sea in front of you and the Egyptian army behind you. The laws of nature just said, hasta luego. <laughs> not, not helping you anymore. At that moment, we, that addiction gets crushed. We have to make a decision. Do I switch to a different frequency? Or do I fall apart. What's the frequency? I said, well, if I fall apart, we know how to fall apart. We're pretty practiced at that. That's if we rely on the laws of nature. What's the new frequency? Oh, the laws of nature don't run the world. Hashem does. If he wants me to be safe, I will be safe. But the laws of nature are saying you won't be safe. Do I need to listen to the laws of nature? Right. They only pretended to keep me safe all these years. They didn't. I think I'm going to switch to the better frequency, which is relying on Hashem. Perhaps that's an example of Kasas Lamara. You're crushed. Your whole way of functioning in life is crushed. And you become, and it takes you to the luminary. You become a stickler luminary, and the luminary in you comes out. Um, in the time of Gullus, everyone is Nishbar Vinitka. Everybody's crushed, cautious. And we come to the ma'ar, the essence from which the light comes. So you be, end up becoming a source of light. And then we have one more question. So what does crush for the luminary have to do with um, what it says about Maishra Benu, that he, he feeds us with a muna? 
So, wait, if we become crushed and then we come, become luminaries, we don't need Maishravenu. I'll pick. Do you want Maishravenu to do it? Or you just let yourself be crushed and then you'll get there. But I don't need it stereo. So, here, we'll do one more little part here. So what is it telling us? We were saying before, this mimer is based on a mimer called the Kibbele Yehudim. What happens at the time of Purim is, when we stood at Har Sinai, when we accepted the Torah, quite honestly, what else was there to do? Standing there, the whole Jewish nation, receiving the Torah at the time of Shavuot, of the, the actual giving of, of the Torah, we're going back in history now, and Hashem held a mountain, not a bad mountain, a mountain of revelation over us. So wherever you look, all you saw is Hashem's, Hashem's presence. So Hashem is asking you at that point, would you like to take on Tyra? Which looks amazingly juicy because you see Hashem openly. And I'm like, wow. Ah. Or would you like to do some like seedy little nasty Aveiras? What normal person would say, I'll, I'll take the Aveira? One is so luminous, and the other one is so, you know, like old, moldy, kind of been there, done that, bleh. What, you know, would you like a rotten tomato or a check for a million dollars? Oh, could you give me three days to think about it? What was the choice of Mott and Tyra? It was so luminous that nobody would choose anything other than this juicy, luminous situation. So the problem, the amazing thing about Mott and Tyra was, we received the Tyra and became one with Hashem. But there's a downside to it, which was we didn't really have free choice. It was just too compelling to say yes to Hashem and too uncompelling to say no to Hashem. That's not technically free choice. So we didn't really expect it. We were given it. Now, what about if we want to accept the Tyra? You know, Wants to be, I wanted to be mine. You know, this summer I was somewhere and I was speaking to a woman and, and she said, oh, I want to hear what happened, you know, in the show today or whatever. And her husband kept saying, and, and I also want, and her husband kept saying, what do you need to hear that for? What do you need? And they're like telling her what to think and what to do. And she said, I like to think for myself once in a while, you know. Like, he said, that story isn't interesting, she said. Even if I'd like to hear the story, like it's like I I would like to have the the privilege of being able to make my own decisions whether I want to listen to a story for five minutes without you telling me that I shouldn't listen to the story. So we're like Hashem, it's beautiful that you gave us the Torah, but we want to really feel like it's it's ours. We received it. That took two thousand years. That's called the Kibel Hayyuhud. That's why it says about Purim, that's when we got to accept the Tyra. Because it wasn't such a pretty choice. When we, when we were given the Tyra, wow. But when, at the time of Purim, when Hashem said, do you want to keep the Tyra and die? Or do you want to live and not keep the Tyra? And that's not an easy, that's not an easy choice. That's not such an open, luminous choice. Like, sure, I'll take the Tyra and die. No. So that ended up being, 2,000 years after Mount and Tyra, it's a story of Purim, the real Kabbalah of Tyra. It's called Kaimu Mashaki Bukhar. 
we started to actually do what we received, or kind of a kibu. That um, step one of receiving the Torah was at Shavuot time, and step two was at Purim time. And not only that, the Rebbe Reyes tells us there's a wondrous thing. Matzah Torah, as we said, on a very high level, and we saw a very high level of, of godliness. Um, um, and yet, we're just going to jump here, um, at the time of Haman, when, and so the light was so revealed when we received the Tyred Hearts Unite, and the light was so concealed at the time of Haman, and yet, that was the time when, when we received the Tyre in a time of concealment, we really got the real thing. It was, in a sense, the most powerful moment of our history. And I'm going to say to such an extent that the Rebbe Ayat said, let's take that moment in history, when we were at our peak power in a way, and pull it into 1927. Pull it into Stalinist times so that we can do what we need to do throughout really very frightening years, very, very terrible years in Stalinist times. And then, as the Rebbe said, bring it into our times now. Um, at the time of Purim, our Messiris, our Terranissus was Messiris Nefesh. What was the Messiris Nefesh? Not to give, not to give up Yiddishkeit, Chatzashon. And who was able to bring us to this level? It's an un, it's a level of Messiris Nefesh that you do not find anywhere in the world. Never found it in history. Nobody. Only us once. How did we get back to that level? It's Iris HaMesiris, Nefesh Alehem Haisa Ayudei Mordechai, Ayyuhudi, Maisha Shebedere. Only the Maisha Rebbeinu of the generation can bring you to that level of, of Mesiris Nefesh. Mordechai, the Maisha of his generation, brought it out in us. And that's why it says, Bekibale Yehudim Asher And that's why it says, at Purim time we received, what we started to receive, we started to do, receive the Torah. That at Matan Tairet, it was only the beginning. At the time of Purim, that was the real receiving of the Torah. Because, because we had Messiris Nefesh in actuality, for Tairet Mitzvahs, in such a very concealed time, we were lifted up to a level way, way, way higher than even at Matan Tairet. And that's why we were able to receive the Torah. Okay, here's the last piece before we stop. I didn't see we're up to hay. So when it says crushed for the morrow, so Purim time we were crushed, weren't we? And because we were crushed, we became luminaries, and we came to the level of the essence of the luminary. When you're crushed, you come to the morrow. And that explains why, in such a difficult, concealed time of Purim, we were able to reach Messiris Nefesh in such a high level because this Messiris Nefesh comes from Etzim and Nefesh, Etzim and Neshama, that you can't see. It's concealed. Guess what? So when are you going to come to the concealed level? When can you pull out and access the concealed level in yourself? In a time of concealment. Concealed, concealed, right? It matches. In a time of concealment. 
that's when, in a time of concealment, is when you can come to your highest levels. And when we're in a situation of, because we were crushed, the etzim and neshama was revealed in us, the mara. Um, aval, so again, last question. What does it have to do with my Shirbenu? It's implying that Inyan Kasus Lamar Shayach Gam Lazesh and Maisha Zanim Afarnas is a Muna Shatiya Bitminia. So the, what, the implication, and we're going to end with this, is Kasus Crush for the Mar has to do with this, that Maisha Rabbeinu is nourishing us, nurturing us, bringing out that Amuna in us. Put, put all of that together. Crush for the luminary, and Maisha Rabbeinu is feeding us that Amuna, is bringing it to the surface. You put all of that together. Maisha Rabbeinu is the key aspect in that whole equation. And so that all brings us to a moment that we're at in history now. So now everybody's afraid and everybody feels crushed and nobody knows and what do we do and where do we go and all of this. And it's a time of concealment, etc. So much stuff going on now and nothing makes any sense. And Daska, Maishu Rabbeinu is here. The Maishu Rabbeinu of the generation is here to bring us, bring out in us what we need to, to, to be brought out to lead the generation. So just to end with this thought, remember we said at the beginning, so what do we have? We have, you know, you read in the news, all of that is Baba Mises. There's really a whole political scene behind the scenes, but even that isn't the real news. The real news is Maisha Rabbeinu of the generation, Mashiach, is running the whole show. Everything you see, not everything is understandable to you, but everything that you see is being masterminded by Mashiach himself to bring the world from Gullus to Geula. That is his Indian. He's here, he's, he takes the Gullus, turned it inside out, and turns it, turned it to Geula. That's what he is here for. That's what he's good at. And that's what's happening now. And yes, we feel crushed, you know, up, down. There's so much going on. Kostas Lamar, we feel crushed. And it's confusing. And we feel like, do we have enough Amuna to, to really face what we're going through? And Maishu Rabbeinu is here to put all the pieces together, fight the, fight the wars of a make us into the ultimate foot soldiers, bring us as powerful, you know, powerful Yidin to the Gula Mitzvah Shlema, and may it be immediately now. Part two we will do, Mitzvah Hashem, this is probably divided into two parts, part two we will do, Mitzvah Hashem, tomorrow. So we should find ourselves in the base of Mitzvah Shlishi now.